Good morning. Good to see everyone. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, in verse number 17, that our faith comes by hearing, and our hearing by the Word of God. That's a passage of Scripture that we hear a lot, we quote a lot, we pay a lot of attention to. But you know, there's a few verses that precede that particular reading that really contain some things that maybe we want to think about. Verse number 14, uh, the writer starts by saying, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse number 15 says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But then verse number 16. He says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is someone in this audience this morning who falls into that group in in verse number 16 who have not obeyed the gospel. Our hope and our prayer is that something that we say this morning that we find in the scriptures this morning might prompt you today to obey the gospel and to commit your life to Jesus. And it all starts with this idea of faith that we read about there in in verse number 10. Our faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. Well, once we hear that word and we understand and we believe that it is the, the word of God, the truth that is undeniable, then we are convinced. We are convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. We look at our lives and we realize that there are things that are not in accordance with what God says. So after we hear, we repent, we change our ways. We confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Then we we get buried in baptism where we have all those sins washed away. And we rise up a new creature. That's our prayer. For those that may not have obeyed. But this idea of faith, it is the foundation of our belief. It's where the, fa- the, the, the plan of salvation starts, as we just read. It is a great and a powerful thing to have faith in God, but you know. There are times in our life when our faith is just simply hard to find. And you, you may hear me say that a little bit and kind of scratch your head and say, Really? Well, let's, let's think about that for just a moment and, and consider the really the idea of faith. Faith can be a little bit hard to understand because we think about it in so many different ways. Uh, people say faith, you just, just, just simply believe, just simply feel. So I think it's important that we take a look at it. So sometimes it's just a matter of semantics. So we'll look at the word and see what it says. The dictionary talks to us about faith. And when we look at how it defines it, it begins with that word belief. 
But then it goes on to expound a little bit more on that, that belief is the assent of our mind to the truth of what is being said. What, whoever is speaking, the author that we are paying attention to, we believe their words. We rest on the authority of what they are saying, even when there may be no evidence to support it. That is belief. That is faith. It goes on to talk about the judgment, the conviction in our hearts of what someone else states or testifies as the truth. But when we look at what the Bible says and we study what it teaches us about the idea of faith, we really see very quickly that it comes down to trust. The primary idea in the Bible is about trusting. Trusting what the Bible says. Trusting what the Bible teaches us. And not simply because it makes us feel good. No, our faith is a strong and a confident faith and trust because it is intelligent. It is rational. We can stand firm and we can stand bold in our trust, in our conviction. We can have an unwavering faith that Jesus is indeed a person of history. Jesus of Nazareth. We can look at the Bible and we can see and we can believe. We can have faith in who He is. The Son of God. The one that gave up his heavenly home and came to this earth, took on the form of a man, suffered and died that horrible death on the cross so that we could be saved. We can stand firm and bold in that conviction. Why? Because as I mentioned before, it is intelligent, it is rational. You go to, you go to Romans chapter, uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 20, and the Bible tells us there that since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. And then the writer finishes up that thought by saying, so they are without excuse. The scripture is teaching us that we can have our faith just simply by observing God's power around us. So can our trust be intelligent and rational? Yes, it can be. Simply by observing His creation. But our faith and our trust does involve things that maybe we can't see, we can't touch. As an example, God, the Bible speaks to us in John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 4. In both instances, the scriptures say to us, no one has seen God. But we know our trust, our faith, and conviction is that He is God. We can believe in the promises that He made to us. Romans 8 and, and, and verse number 24 says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? So the Bible talks to us uh, this idea of faith about having that strong and that confident trust in who Jesus is. But to kind of bring it down to a practical application, I really like, like the way that, that Dallas Willard put it here. Faith is commitment. Faith is commitment to action based upon our knowledge of God and God's ways. And that's not uncommon. It's not limited to, uh, to, to just our spiritual lives that we have this faith that leads us to action. Think about our, 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 our carnal lives with our, our parents. We know and believe that they are our parents based upon their words. And that trust, that faith, leads us to believe what they say and to obey what they ask us to do. 
So it's not just limited to, to our spiritual lives, but all parts of our lives. So as we think about this idea of faith and this commitment to action, it makes me think of a story uh, that I read. So it happens that there was this man that somehow was walking along, and, and as he was walking along, he managed to fall off a cliff. And as he was falling off the cliff, down the, the cliff, he grabbed onto a branch and was able to hold on to that branch. So obviously he was uh, in distress there, and he started to call out for help. Is anyone up there? Help me. And then he got an answer. The answer was, I'm here. I am the Lord. Do you believe me? Well, obviously this is a great relief. And he said, yes, yes, Lord, I believe you. Uh, just just help me. Can't, I can't hang on to this branch much longer. And the Lord replied, that's, that's all right. That's fine. If, if you really believe in me, then, then I, I'll save you. You've got nothing to worry about. Just let go of the branch. And so there was a moment of pause. And then the man called back. Is there anyone else up there? So that idea of a faith with a commitment to action is what we're thinking about here today. When we think about our faith being at moments hard to find. I know we've all had those times when our faith, our commitment to action, needing to do or to say what God would have us to do is hard. And we fail. There are undoubtedly moments when our faith is simply weak. And we fail. We fail in that commitment that we made to God. We face things in life that just become big. We, we face things in life that, that weigh us down, that sometimes bring us to our knees, and it just gets bigger than we're able to get up from. And our faith is hard to find. We end up in the place, it's the same place that the psalmist was here in chapter 27 in verse number 9. And we just notice the, the, the plea that he puts forth here. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O oh my God of, sal- God of my salvation. We reach those moments when that's all we can do is ask for help. Because our faith is hard to find. So for this morning's lesson, we're going to look at four instances in the Bible where we see faith being hard to find. We're going to talk about Peter and the distraction that he dealt with. We're going to follow that up by looking at Thomas and the devastation that he dealt with. The rich young ruler and his attraction to the world. And then lastly, we'll look at Abraham and Sarai. And how they decided that they wanted to trust self a little bit more. So I hope you got your Bibles. Open up to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we'll read a few verses here beginning at verse number 22. The scripture says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. 
But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, called him and said to him, O ye little faith, why would you doubt? So we see the situation and understand it here, that this is indeed miraculous. That even in the beginning of this account, uh, Jesus had just fed a crowd of 5,000 people with a handful of food. But in this particular instance, we see his apostles out on a boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus walking to them. Obviously miraculous. And when Peter sees this, he has faith, does he not? Lord, if it's you, just say come. And so he did. So we see a great amount of faith in, in Peter being able to step out of a boat in the middle of a storm. That's, that's some strong faith. But here's the thing. When he got out on that out in the water, and his faith was so strong at the beginning that he could make that first step and focus on Jesus. But then all of a sudden, those waves start lapping up around him. The wind starts wailing all around him. Maybe the lightning starts flashing. We don't know. But obviously, what does he do? His faith becomes hard to find. He gets more concerned about all the chaos, all the danger, all the concern that's around him. He takes his eyes off Jesus. And he starts to sink. Cries out to Jesus to save him, and he does. But notice the reply. He says, oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? So we ask ourselves that question. When life gets tough, when we're in the midst of the storm, when the lightning's flashing in our lives, when the waves are beating against us, why do we doubt? What things do we let get in our lives that distract us, that allow our faith to be hard to find? We get so caught up in the storm that ultimately we end up like Peter. We take our eyes off Jesus and we start to get consumed by the chaos around us. Have you been there? Has your faith in the midst of a storm been hard to find? What causes us to doubt? Let's talk about Thomas. Thomas. In, jo in John chapter number 20, in verses number 24, we'll start. It says, Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said, We have seen the Lord. 
And so he says to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came. The doors being shut, he stood in the midst of them, and he said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and he said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said to Thomas, Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Don't let your faith be hard to find. Where was Thomas? He was suffering. There is no doubt he was suffering. After all, he had spent the past two to three years of his life with this man, Jesus. He had put his all into believing him. His hope and his faith. He had seen Jesus walk. He had heard Jesus teach. Yeah, he had even seen the miracles that Jesus performed. But he also witnessed Jesus' crucifixion and death. And being that close, you know that it hurt. And that he suffered. And we see in his reaction here that he he suffered so much that he had had literally become devastated. That that the the emotional turmoil that he was going through had caused his faith to be shaken. Had even robbed him of his hope. But you know, I think this is here for a reason. Because we encounter tragedy in our lives, do we not? We, We have loved ones that get sick, that get injured that pass away, and we have to deal with that loss and that heartbreak and that woe. And can it affect our faith? Yes, it can. Can it cause us to be as Thomas, unbelieving and not believing? It can. Our faith can be hard to, time, hard to find when we're going through emotional turmoil. But it's not just loss and heartbreak there's other emotions that can impact our faith we can let anger and rage cause us to do and say and think things that we ought not we can let envy cause us to have covetous thoughts in our minds harsh feelings towards those round about us we can let hatred get in our hearts And all of these things can stand in the way of our faith and cause us not to be able to live up to that commitment that we talked about earlier. Yes, cause our faith to be hard to find. What about the rich young ruler? You look in Matthew chapter 19. We read about seemingly a good young man. The scriptures tells us there, Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? A good heart. 
So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. And that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth, what else do I like? What do I lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, that is complete, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. In verse number 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. A good young man with a tender heart wanting to know what to do. But when it came down to making that final commitment, what happened? He couldn't find his faith. And why not? Because of the things of the world. He, he was more concerned about the great possessions that he had. The material things that he had in his possession. Than doing that one thing that would let him become a Christian. So does material things, material possessions, present a challenge for us in our faith? Yes, it does. We, we live in the society that expects so much from us when it comes to the material things of the world that it's easy to let our, our pursuit of those things cause our faith to be hard to find. We, we'll spend a lot of our time trying to climb up that ladder and set aside the things that really matter. And for what? Causes our faith to be difficult to find. But when we think about this idea of the world, it's, it's not just those material things that can stand in our way. There's a lot of other aspects of the world that can be there. You, you think about things like uh, lust and covetousness and social norms, all those things that the world put in, puts in front of us can stand in our way can attack our faith and cause it to be hard to find. When we want to be more like the world than what our faith tells us we ought to be from what we know that God would have us to be, then that becomes a problem for us. When we put thinking and acting and, and dressing like society would have us to dress as opposed to what we learn in the Bible, then we're letting the world hamper our faith. What about Abram and Sarai? Genesis chapter 16. We recall the promise that Abraham made, or that God made to Abraham, that he was going to bless him, that he was going to give him uh, offspring so much that they would be like the sands on the seas. But here in verse number 16, we read that Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai, and then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and he gave her to her husband, and 
Abram to be his wife, and Abram had uh, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarah said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord's judged between you and me. So Abraham said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. You see, Sarai realized in the end that she had made a mistake because she said, may my wrong be upon you. She realized her mistake. And her mistake was that she allowed her wants, her wishes, her timeline to direct her actions instead of relying upon what God had promised Abraham. And so she decided that her way was better. Her way was more expedient. And we see what happened. We see what happened. My wrong be upon you. Her faith wavered. So when we think about in our lives how this uh, applies to us, do we sometimes let what we want, what we think, Stand in the way of what we read in the Bible? Do do we look at our worship service? At least we know society does. And we understand that the Bible teaches us how we are to worship God. But then people want to say, well, that's not good enough. It's not exciting enough. It's not emotional enough. We need to do more. Really? Really? The God of creation... The author of the Bible, his inspired word, we need to do more? Why? Because we think that's better. Oh, we can't just have a cappella singing. That's so... Pick a decade. We need to have instrumental music. Really? I don't read that. So do we let what we think, what we want, let our opinions... Cause our faith to struggle and to be weak. We do. We do. That's part of what we do. So, we can understand in looking at this that there are many different situations that we come into into our lives that, that we deal with this idea of struggling with our faith. Our faith being hard to find. So the question is, what do we do about it? We know it's coming. How do we prepare for it? Well, we've got a few ideas that maybe can help us. First and foremost, it starts with our hearts. Examine our hearts. Is our heart what it ought to be? We read there in Proverbs chapter 4 and, and verse number 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Sounds very similar to what Jesus said in Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 30 when he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Are we there? So it begins with being sure our heart is in the right place. Secondly, we meditate upon God's Word. The Bible tells us in Joshua, Chapter number 1 and verse number 8. 
The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you will find, you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. If we want our faith to be strong, then we have to have God's Word deeply rooted in our hearts. And that comes from our study and our meditation upon His Word. But not only do we want to be sure our heart is committed to God and that we're meditating upon His Word, but that we've got a strong and a faithful prayer life. You look at Mark chapter 11 and and, and verse number 24. He says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17 he says, I'm sorry, that's Luke 18 and verse number 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men should always, always ought to pray and not to lose heart. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says pray without ceasing. So when we're ensuring our heart is dedicated to God and we're meditating on His Word and we're spending time in our prayer life, we're strengthening our faith. And we renew our minds. We, 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 we constantly be sure that we're focused on serving God and not the chaos and the turmoil that's around us. We look at Romans chapter 12 and, and verse number 2. Paul admonishes us there. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect will of God being sure that our minds and our thoughts are aligned with what God would have us to think. And we build up our faith and ask ourselves, what are we going to do? What steps are we going to take to ensure that our faith is as strong as it can possibly be? In Mark chapter 9 and verse number 23, he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Read Peter, and he talks about how we are to grow in our faith. And then we think about how blessed we have been and realize just how God, good God has been to us. And we offer up our praise and our thanksgiving and, and cultivate this attitude of being thankful to God for everything that He gives us. First Thessalonians 5 and verse number 18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we can indeed prepare to face those moments in our lives when our faith may be hard to find. But you know, I read a story as I was preparing this lesson. And this story takes place back in World War II. And if you're familiar with World War II, it was, it was bad. And there was this period they called the Blitz where they were dropping bombs all over the place there in Europe. And on this one particular occasion, there was, there was a man and his son that were in the midst of all of this bombing. And, and obviously the, the, the father wanted to be safe. And so they ran out of their house, out into the front yard, and seeking to find some sort of shelter, some sort of safety, he saw a, a shell hole in the ground, and so so he immediately ran and he jumped into he jumped into that shell uh, shell hole trying to find that safety, and, and he held up his arms to his young son and he said, he said, jump. He wanted his son 
to follow him to be safe. But obviously, it was hard. The young boy was terrified. But all that was going on around him, he was terrified. And he heard his father yelling to him to jump. But he said, I can't see you. I can't see you. But, but then the father, looking up against this sky that was red with, with all of the, the tents of the bombs that were going on, the burnings that were building, he saw a silhouette of his young son out there and he, he, he called to him and he said, No, but I can see you. But I can see you. Jump. And so the young boy jumped because he trusted his father. Each and every one of us face those moments that are scary, that are, that are dark and foreboding. We face those moments when we can't see, when we don't know the way. Moments when we stand with our faith paralyzed. Not, not able to do what we ought to or even want to do. And we can't jump. But you know the wonderful thing is, our faith enables us. It enables us to face life or even to meet death. It enables us not because we know everything or we see everything, but because we have the certainty that we are seen through our faith. We are known of God through our faith. So in those dark and perilous times, we can indeed jump and have the faith that we need to have. Romans chapter 8, verses number 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse number 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. This lesson came from a song that I listened to. And if you know me, I listen to all kinds of different music. This is a rock group. That's a Christian rock group. 2013, they had this song. The group's name Skillet. And this is what the chorus says. You give me faith to believe that there's a way to put the past finally behind me and hope to make it through another night. You give me strength during these dark times when I'm blind. You are my light when faith is hard to find. So this morning, if you're struggling with something in your life, Realize that our faith can help us through anything. Our faith in Jesus. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, let that be your faith strong enough to take that first step and make your commitment to Jesus. If you have a need, won't you come while we stand and we sing?